Well, as we approach Christmas and it gets closer and closer, faster and faster, right? I mean, it's just here before we know it. Our focus is going to turn over these next few weeks to uh, the Christmas story. And I love the fact several years ago I, I did a Bible study that talked about the various journeys uh, that take place during the Christmas story. And if you think about it, that's, that's what I want to focus on these next couple of weeks is looking at some of the journeys. But if you think about the Christmas story, uh, you think about all the different journeys that took place there. First, you have the journey uh, of Mary and Joseph as they journeyed from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Uh, then we find recorded for us there the journey of the shepherds uh, who journeyed from their fields watching the sheep to Bethlehem uh, as well. There was also a journey uh, listed in Scripture about the Magi, the wise men who traveled a very far distance from uh, distant lands that we know, following a star that led them to worship the birth of the Messiah. And then, of course, there was the journey of Jesus from His home in heaven to a very humble bed in a manger there in a stable uh, in Bethlehem. And so this Christmas story is all about a story of various journeys. Many of you will find yourself making journeys during this Christmas season. You probably already have. Uh, Lynette and I have been traveling to uh, various Christmas parties and still have more to go and, and, and so different social events. You find yourself journeying, journeying to parades, maybe. Even some of you I saw journeyed in the parade here in town uh, this past week. Uh, some of you may do like Lynette and I do. We always, if we can find a night, which is very rare that we don't have anything to do during this season, Lynette and I will just take a ride, uh, take a journey uh, looking at Christmas lights. I love to drive around and look at Christmas lights. Uh, you know, people have all kinds of imaginations now. They, they, they uh, you know, blink to the music, and there's just all kinds of cool things. What I think is also very interesting is that even people that don't believe in God put up Christmas lights and Christmas trees, right? They have no idea that they're sharing that the light of the world came to this world on Christmas Day, and that's what we're truly celebrating. But there's so many journeys. Some of you will, will journeys to journey to stores and to Walmarts, uh, and some of you will wait and do that on the 23rd or the 24th. Uh, but all kinds of journeys. Uh, some of you uh, at the end of Christmas are going to journey to the scales to see how much weight you've gained. Some of us will journey to the bank to see how much money we've lost, right? And so Christmas is all about uh, journeys. Next Sunday, uh, during our Christmas candlelight communion service, we're going to be looking at the journey of Jesus. But for today, I want to focus on the journey of Mary and Joseph. And not only is the Christmas story a story of journeys, but our lives are all a story of journeys as well, if you think about it. We talk a lot around here about us walking with God, our journey with Jesus, taking next steps in our journey with Him. And our entire life, from a, from a child until whatever age you may be today, has been filled with all kinds of various uh, journeys. And as we journey on this road that many of us call life, we encounter some unexpected things sometimes, don't we? 
we encounter some things that we hadn't planned for and things that we hadn't anticipate on our journey. And, you know, one of the awesome things about uh, having the freedom and the ability to be able to drive is that, you know, there's all kinds of warnings that are posted along the roads that warn us about detours and cur- curves in the roads, either flashing yellow lights or bright orange, orange signs that will tell us that, you know, there's a curve that's coming ahead or, or there's road construction ahead or uh, there's even a detour that the road is closed and they want you to navigate and take a different route and uh, uh, it, will, it will get you to, to your, your final destiny, that's for sure, but it may not be the road that you had planned to travel on and we have so many things uh, in our life that detour us and take us a direction that we hadn't really planned on. But you know what? In life, we often don't get those warning signs, do we? We don't get those flashing yellow signs or bright neon signs that say, hey, there's a detour ahead. You're about to have to take a different path than the one that you were journeying on. And we just, we just hit those things without even knowing uh, that they're coming. Unexpected detours like a medical report that you didn't expect. Maybe the accident that you didn't see coming. Maybe uh, getting laid off from a job or losing someone out of your life unexpectedly. All of these things are detours or curves in the road of life that we often do not see coming at all. And as we look at this story this morning of Mary and of Joseph, uh, we're going to see that they knew all about detours. They knew all about bumpy roads. They knew all about unexpected things coming up and happening uh, in their journey of life. As a matter of fact, their story is full of unexpected events and curves in the road that they had to navigate in their life. And this morning, while it's easy for us to assume that everyone knows the story uh, of Mary and Joseph, I think we often skip right through it uh, this time of year just because we assume that everybody knows the details of the story and the details of who Mary and Joseph were. And, and I think it's really important. And so this morning, I don't want to just assume that all of us are all on the same page about Mary and Joseph. And, uh, you know, Mary and Joseph don't get near enough credit for what they did and their faithfulness and obedience to God. And so this morning, I want to look in detail at their journey uh, and just look at a few things this morning. And then as we conclude um, conclude this, this message, this part of the story by asking ourselves, how does this apply to me? How does this apply to my journey, to my life, and maybe even my family and our church? So let's begin with this very familiar story today in Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 1. I want to thank Anna Kissinger for reading uh, this passage for us in our worship this morning. I, I just love incorporating God's Word into our time of worship. I just think that is awesome and something special and appreciate so much those of you that have been willing uh, to do that. God's word says this in Luke 2 verse 1. In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Cernius was governor of Syria and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David, 
He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. So this morning what I want to do is, is just talk about first what we know about Mary and what we know about Joseph. The first thing from uh, other passages of Scripture that we learn and, and also from other, other pieces of history and, uh, that we have, we know that Mary was the cousin to Elizabeth. And Elizabeth would be pregnant during this time as well and give birth to a son who would be John the Baptist. Mary's parents were Joachim of Nazareth and her mother was Anna of Bethlehem. She had a sister named Salome who would end up marrying and being the wife of Zebedee. They would be the parents of the sons of thunder that we're familiar with, James and John. We also know some things about Mary's character. And, uh, you know, some things that we learn from Scripture. We know from Luke chapter 1, if you read that, that Mary was sexually pure. She was a virgin. She was a spiritual young lady. She had great faith in God. She was obedient to God and God's will and God's plan for her life. And she was a willing servant. And also we find from Mary's song that's recorded there in the New Testament as well that she had a heart of worship. She had an attitude of praise to her Lord and her Savior. And then there's the obvious thing that we know about her. We know what her assignment was. Her assignment was to give birth to and be the mother of the Son of God. Moms, uh, ladies, can you imagine being given that assignment. I mean, just being a mother to any child is a great enough task and a great enough undertaking. Can you imagine knowing that you were going to give birth to the Son of God and it was going to be your responsibility to raise Him and not mess that up? <laughs> I mean, I can't even imagine the magnitude of this assignment that she had. So we know some things about Mary just from what we read about her in the Scripture. There's also some things uh, about Joseph that we know. We know uh, that he was probably just a very common man. The reason we know that is because he was a carpenter. We also know this about Joseph. He paid his taxes, right? Uh, that's why they're traveling to Bethlehem. Bethlehem, right, was to pay their taxes. So, you know, we, we know a little bit about his character. We know that he was a man of integrity because we see that uh, here in a few minutes in his reaction when he found out that Mary was pregnant. We see that he was a man of integrity. Joseph was also, like Mary, a man of faith. He appeared to be level-headed. Uh, and also, like Mary, he was also will willing to be a servant, to be faithful, and to be obedient to the God that he loved. His assignment also was that he was chosen by God to be the earthly father of Jesus. Think about it. God chose Joseph to be his son's stepdad here on this earth and to help raise the son of God. I, I can't even imagine. I would have so messed that up, right? 
I mean, I, I think of all the mistakes that I made with, with our kids and our boys. And, uh, you know, I, I just can't imagine having to, or having or getting to raise the, the Son of God. I, I, his, his way of thinking would have been warped, I promise you. Uh, and it very possibly could have ended up like one of our boys when they were little. Of course, you always, most of the time when you're carrying a kid, you're carrying two kids if you're there by yourself. And I did accidentally drop one of them one time. And he did fall on his head, and, and we're almost all certain to this day. I didn't know at the time. You couldn't tell them apart when they're babies. You can't hardly tell them apart now. But we almost know without a doubt that it was Hunter that was the one that I dropped. Um, but I can't imagine being the father of, of the Son of God. But So think about, even in this passage that we've heard and we've read this morning, we see some of the unexpected detours and curves in the road that Mary and Joseph faced in their life. And the first and obvious one was this. Mary got pregnant and they weren't married, right? They weren't legally married. And she uh, is saying, and Joseph knows that he is not the father of the, ch- of the child. Now, that's a pretty big detour, wouldn't you say? That's a pretty big curve in the road, a pretty big bump in the road. Because here's the deal. Mary was engaged to Joseph to be married. And and we have to understand the marriage customs of that day were quite different than they are today. It basically consisted of three parts or three different phases. Uh, The first was basically the promise of marriage, which could be broken or, or canceled without really too much trouble at all. The, the second part or second stage was what they called betrothal, uh, which was basically a legal covenant, a legal agreement between the two families of the bride and the groom that they would make uh, between each other. And, and most of the time in this second part, the husband would have paid the bride's family a sum or maybe even, you know, gave sheeps or goats or camels or whatever kind of like a down payment on his bride to uh, the family uh, by the time that it reached this second stage. Uh, And this would be, you know, uh, showing his intent to go through with it and finalize uh, the marriage vows at an appropriate time. And then the third stage would be when that took place, when the groom would actually travel and go to the bride's family, the bride's home, and get her and take her into his home, and they would finalize the wedding vow there. And I explained all this uh, to explain the fact that Mary and Joseph were in this second stage of their uh, uh, wedding agreement, this wedding covenant. And even though the final vows and the consummation of the marriage had not happened yet, Mary still was considered legally to belong to Joseph by law, and be his wife, even though she was still living uh, with her own family. And now she's pregnant. And oh, what a mess. What a big mess. Anybody ever found themselves in a big mess? Say big mess. Some of us have been there, right? That's where Mary and Joseph find themselves right now. And in the midst of all of that, can you imagine the stress, the emotions, Everything that is being said about them and even to them in this time, Mary and her family and Joseph and his family, 
Think about it. Mary, this young girl who is filled with excitement and she's planning for her wedding day, something that every girl dreams of and how that's going to be and what it's going to look like. And in the middle of all that, an angel appears with this unbelieving and life-changing news. And this was so much more of a serious situation now because they had entered into this legal agreement between the two families already. And this is where we see what kind of man that Joseph was right here. It's by how he handled all that and handled this situation. Think about it. All the signs at this time were pointing to the fact that Mary had been unfaithful to him, right? He knew that she was pregnant, that he was not the father. And so everything at this time pointed to the fact that she had been unfaithful. And so Joseph, in his mind and everything that's going on around him and within him, and he's thinking the absolute worst right now, he chose to do the right thing. He, 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 he didn't seek any type of financial or legal retribution here, which would have been the normal thing to do based on the laws that they had in place at the time. And Matthew chapter 1 and verse 19 says this, Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. And so he decides to privately give her a legal divorce and just go away from the situation, just to walk away, not make it any more difficult on Mary than it already was, so that she wouldn't face any, you know, any more public humiliation than she has already been through. He just decided to try to do the right thing and to do it in a way that it wouldn't make matters worse. So think about it. They go from the excitement of planning a wedding to, like that, talks of an annulment and a divorce. You talk about a detour on life's journey. They're at one. But now look at verse 20 of Matthew chapter 1 as well. It says, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And so an angel appears to Joseph in a dream and lets him in on the, the whole plan. Well, not the whole plan, but it lets him in on enough to know what he needs to do now and what he needs to do next and the next step that God is asking him to take. But it's still really unexpected, right? It's mind-blowing. It's mind-boggling to think that all of this would be true and all of this was taking place the way it was. And, and here's what's important. We see uh, this is so important. That in this, as God lays out this next step before him, and Joseph has no idea what's coming after that, other than the Lord is telling him to take Mary as his wife. All right? And it's important for us to notice that we see Joseph immediately obey the Lord as he takes Mary home as his wife. Friends, there's just something to be said about immediate obedience in God's plan for our life. Um, immediate obedience is often required of us in order for us to get to the destiny in our journey that he would have us to get to. 
Friends, there's, there's something uh, to be said about that, to being immediately obedient. When we feel that moving of the Spirit in our life, when we hear this voice that we think, is it, is it my voice or is this God's voice telling me, go see that person, make that phone call, text that person, write them a letter, just give them a hug, whatever it may be, and we don't immediately respond to that What blessing have we missed? What blessing has that other person missed that God is telling us to embrace and to take in? And God is telling Joseph, embrace Mary, take her in, and trust me in this. Trust me. And he was immediately obedient. God simply asked us to be obedient in what he asked us to do. And if we're not we may never, ever experience or see what he has for us down the road. And also, Joseph's willingness to do this demonstrates that he has this same servant's heart and this willingness to obey God and serve God as Mary has. And they were both, we see it here, they both were totally obedient to God even when things did not make sense at all. They were willing to take the next step. They were willing to be obedient and follow God's plan for their lives and in their journey. And so then comes the journey to Bethlehem. You know, a a journey that could have not had any worse timing for a pregnant woman, right? I mean, of all times, after all this, after all they've been through, now we've got to go to Bethlehem and register and pay our taxes. And they had to go from from Nazareth to Bethlehem to register for this census, to pay their taxes. And and Mary is, is, we don't know how far pregnant, but she's plenty pregnant at this point. And you know what? If I would have been in their situation, I'd have been like uh, gloom, despair, and agony on me, right? Oh! I mean, just one thing. Doesn't that seem like it always happens? One thing after another, after another, and we, th- and we hit that third thing, and we're like, you know, well, bad things happen in three. It stops there, but, well, it didn't stop, right? That's kind of where Mary and Joseph are. And, and sometimes we think that bad things are happening or detours are happening in our life or curves in the road are happening in our life because Satan is trying to get us, right? And he is out to get us. He, he, the Scripture is clear. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy But it's also clear that sometimes God will put a detour in the road to get us off that path we're traveling to get us on the one that He wants us to travel. And we often look at those detours and those curves and those bumps in the roads and those things that don't go the way that we had them planned and we look at them and and we get defeated by that when we ought to be joyful about that. That God would love us enough to put a detour in the middle of the road to get us on the road that He wanted us to be on all alone. And in reality, a lot of times things that we face are things that we don't want to do, but if we will do it, God will use it for His good and for His glory. Amen? Here's another thing. Joseph probably, and this is just my way of thinking, I I put myself, I always in the story try to put myself in the person's shoes. And if I was in Joseph's shoes, I would have done one of two things. Um, <laughs> which is none of which what Joseph did, by the way, okay? Uh, I don't know if the Son of God would have ever got here if it had been up to me. That's why he didn't pick me. But 
You know, one thing that Joseph could have done is, you know, he could have told Mary to stay home with the family. I, I believe that Joseph probably, uh, considering the circumstances in the situation, could have traveled to Bethlehem by himself. Uh, you know, they've got this huge inconvenience uh, in their life, and, and so Mary could have stayed at home. But see, that wasn't part of God's plan. Sometimes we see inconveniences as, you know, a, a roadblock, when sometimes our inconveniences in life very well could be the door opening by God for us to go where He wants us to go and do what He wants us to do. So what happens next? Well, another inconvenience. They, they, they make this trip, you know, pregnant before marriage, dreams, got to go, got to travel, all the way to Bethlehem on a donkey. Some of you will remember that sermon from several years ago. Mary on a donkey. They're traveling. They finally get to Bethlehem. And what happens? More bad luck, right? It, like I said, it just is going from, from bad to worse as you follow their story and, and follow this situation. But there, there's nowhere for them to stay. There, there's no room for them when, when they get there. And as I read this, I thought about a time, and, and I may have all these stories jumbled together. Lynette will straighten me out when I get home, I'm sure. But uh, ever since Lynette and I got married, every year we make a trip to um, Branson, to Silver Dollar City. We went to Silver Dollar City one year. It was one of the first years that they were open. It was four degrees, and there were like 20 people at Silver Dollar City. It was so awesome, right? Uh, but we've gone every year uh, since then, and we always we took the boys when they were home, and we still try to get them to go with us uh, now, but they just don't like to hang out with us anymore. And I don't want them to feel guilty about that because I'll be dead someday. But um, <laughs> they won't go with us anymore because they have better things to do and, and a lot more fun friends than to go with their mom and dad that raised them and spent like a million dollars on them. But I, I won't try to make them feel, huh? Jobs. Oh, you got a job? You, do you get vacation at that job? Just wondering. No? Okay. Um, but anyway, so we, we go one year, and we were totally unprepared. Uh, you know, up until this point, you basically could go to Branson and just show up and get a room. I mean, y'all remember those days? When you just go to Branson, go to a hotel, and walk in and say, I want a room, and they give you a room. Well, we get to Branson, and there, there's not a room. And we go to the next place, and there's not a room. And we go to the next place, and there's not a room, right? And so we travel around. Lynette, I may need you to get come up here and tell this story. Her and Hayden are hashing it out over there right now, I can see. But um, no rooms, and so we ended up going to Springfield, didn't we? Because we couldn't find a room. So we drove to Springfield, Missouri, and uh, we started trying to find a room there. First place that we went, no room. And I'm like, what in the world is going on here? It's going from bad to worse, right? And, and we can't find a room. We'll come to find out there's like some professional bowling tournament in, uh, in, in Missouri, in, in Springfield. And so I'm like, who does that? And, and how many people are here for that, you know? But we finally got a room. Lynette's mother was with us, if I recall. And it was either during that journey that we're trying to find the room or after we got the room, somebody started throwing up. Was it the one I dropped on his head? Yes, yes. That's what happens when you drop one on their head. They get sick. And so one started, and it was just like one thing after another, after another, after, and you just want to throw your hands up and drive back home, right? 
And if I was Joseph at this point in time, that's exactly what I would have done. Amen? Huh? But no, not Joseph. You know, they, they law-abiding citizens, they decide to, to travel there, go to a place where their family wasn't, and now they're having to stay in a barn away from the comfort of their home, own home. And they know at this point that Mary is going to give birth to the Son of God. To top all of this off and to add to the stress, not just her child, but she's going to have the Son of God. And nothing is going right. And we can only imagine the tension, right? We can only imagine the stress. Don't you know Mary and Joseph were getting a little short with one another? <laughs> Did you not know there was a bowling tournament, <laughs> you know, in Bethlehem? You idiot. You know? And... Uh, I can't even imagine. I know what Lynette and I's trips are like that get like that. But what an unpleasant journey that they were on. The stress, think about the stress of the whole wedding fiasco falling apart. The stress of trying to travel to Bethlehem. The stress of all the crowds when they got there. The stress of no vacancies. And as we look at the story of Mary and Joseph, I'm, I'm sure that there are some here today, and I'm just guessing, that very well in this season of life, find yourself very stressed. Very stressed. Um, maybe frustrated. Maybe so busy that it's just beginning to wear on you and you are exhausted. I don't know. I'm just, just a hunch that there may be some people here like that this morning. Maybe you feel inconvenienced by something going on in your life or something that someone's done to you, maybe a string of bad luck, a detour on your journey that you didn't see coming and was unexpected, that bad medical report, that accident that was unexpected, that job that came to an end, losing a loved one unexpectedly, like Charlie and Barbara losing their son this week. They never would have dreamed. Never would have dreamed a couple of weeks ago that they would be facing this in their journey of life. I've known of people in their marriages that had unexpected pregnancies. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but uh, isn't, that, uh, isn't that an inconvenience <laughs> when uh, you get pregnant and you really wasn't planning on it, but most of the times it ends up being a great blessing in your life that you never planned or expected? Or there are others who tried and tried to have children, and then they finally get pregnant and have a miscarriage. See, that's mine and Lynette's story. Lynette and I personally experienced that, and it was a major detour on our journey of life and in our marriage. And it seems that at every curve, every detour, every bump in the road, every inconvenience just produces more and more stress more and more tension and frustration in our lives as we do what? We try to navigate it. We're trying to navigate it, these curves and these de detours. And often, uh, you know, we don't know what to do and we don't know what the right decision is and we find ourselves with several choices when we hit these times in our lives. And so often our, our first choice, or I don't know about y'all, I'm assuming some of y'all may be like me, but often my first choice is to do whatever is easiest, right? 
I'm, I'm going to get off this road at the first exit ramp that I come to, right? Because that's the easiest thing to do. That's the easiest place to go. Or, or sometimes we do, you know, we react and respond in a way that makes sense to us. You know, that, that's what Joseph had decided to do. If you think about it in this story, before the angel came to, to Joseph, that's exactly what he decided to do, just what made sense to him. You know, he felt like he was doing the right thing at, at the time as well. And, and I don't know about you, but, but in, in, often in times like this, I make decisions that are based off my frustrations. I make decisions that are based off my emotions at the time. I try to figure it out all on my own because I'm a fixer. I can fix this. I can navigate this road. I can do this. And so I often make decisions to do things that I think are the right thing to do when all reality, it's just the easiest thing to do. Or I'm responding out of my frustration. And I, and I don't think I'm the only one here that does this today. Amen? A couple of you are like me. I appreciate that. We weigh all the options and we make the decision when. Oftentimes, before we even go to God with it, we just respond and react, right? That was awesome in sports, but that's a terrible way to journey through life, is just by responding and reacting. And, and I'm not saying that, you know, uh, uh, reasoning things out is a bad thing. Sometimes, hey, and I know this is rare in America today, but sometimes... We need to use a little common sense. Amen? God gave us common sense for a reason. Sometimes we just need to use it. But if we neglect seeking God and His wisdom and His guidance, then we're just becoming our own worst enemy at that point. The, the second choice that we have to make uh, is to make a decision that is not only easiest on us, but would be easiest on those around us or make a decision that would benefit those around us because we want to make them happy. And, and I'll give you an example from this story. Mary and Joseph could have very well made the decision not to go to Bethlehem, right? They could have justified it. They had every reason in the world to just sit this one out. Right? I mean, wouldn't it have been much easier for them just to ignore the law? She's pregnant, for heaven's sake. Look at what we've been through. If we go to Bethlehem and she has the baby there, you know, we won't have anybody there to help us. We won't have any family there. And I'm sure they probably had people in their ear, probably even family members in their ear who were telling them, why don't y'all just stay home? You don't have to do this. You don't have to go there. If you'll stay home, we'll, we'll be with you when the baby is born and it'll be so much better for everybody involved. And you know what? If they would have done the easy thing, if they would have done the thing that the people around them were, were saying into their ears, what would have happened? What would have happened if they had done the easy thing? Well, the, all the prophecies of the Old Testament would not have been fulfilled, would they? Because the prophets were clear in the Old Testament that the Messiah, the Savior, would be born in Bethlehem. 
You, you see, sometimes doing what's best for us or doing what's best for the ones we love, that often seems like the best thing to do to us. But again, if we're not in the will of God, if we're not seeking God and, and faithfully uh, praying to God and asking for His wisdom and His guidance, then doing what we think is the right thing to do sometimes is not the right thing to do. And this morning, I, I want to wrap this up as quickly as I can uh, by looking at what Mary and Joseph did because it's a huge lesson for us this morning. Think about it. At every curve, at every detour, at every inconvenience, at every frustration, what did they do? They trusted God. They trusted God. They lived out the faith that had brought them to this point. They had lived out this faith that they had talked about. They lived out this faith that they had been taught as children and raised up in, in the tabernacle there. They lived out this faith that they had in their good, good father that he was going to take care of them and that he was going to bring good out of this. They lived by faith and they were obedient to God. Their faith was bigger than their doubts. Their faith was bigger than their inconveniences. Their faith was bigger than their frustrations. Their faith in God and His plan for them and their lives was bigger than this detour. Bigger than this curve in the road. And don't miss this. Well, what did we see them do repeatedly on this journey as they trust God? They always chose to do the right thing. Even when Joseph, before the angel came to him, he still, and this is so important, he wanted to do the right thing. Anybody in here ever done the wrong thing besides me? And it made it a much bigger mess than it had to be? Right? Mary and Joseph repeatedly, all throughout this story, they did the right thing. They did the ethical thing. No matter how difficult it made things, no matter how much harder it made their journey, they did the right thing and they trusted God with their decisions to do the right thing. Mary obeyed. Joseph obeyed. And what happened? Jesus was born into a family of faith. Jesus was born into a home of faith that would bring honor to His heavenly Father. It's a great example for us because none of us live lives without unexpected curves. None of us live lives without those unexpected detours. Life just isn't perfect. Amen? It wasn't even perfect for the mother of Jesus. And it was far from perfect for her son, the son of God. And I'll close this morning with this. Someone today that's here might be trying to navigate one of those unexpected curves or unexpected detours in their life. It's created a lot of stress, a lot of frustration, and a lot of tension in your life, and maybe even in your family. And you don't understand it. You don't get it. And it's depressing. And it appears to be going from bad to worse. The question is this. Will you choose to make a choice that seems best for you and those around you? Will you make a choice that will benefit you 
and those around you? Or will you trust God and do the right thing? I don't know who in here this morning needs to hear this, but God simply wants us to do the right thing. Here's one interesting thing that we need to be reminded of. If you really want the best for everyone involved, trust God. Trust God. Trust God enough to be obedient. Trust God enough to live in faith. And God will continue to lead you on your journey of life, detours and all. Do the right thing. And you're going to find that this journey with Him is the absolutely best journey to be on. And I pray that as you and your family journeys toward Christmas this year, that it is one that is filled with God's presence and God's blessings in your life. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you again so much for your son, Jesus. And God, this morning, I, I don't even know if I've ever prayed this before in my life or not, but I thank you for Mary and Joseph. I thank you for their faithfulness. I believe you chose them knowing that they would do the right thing, that they could handle it with your help. And I thank you for their faithfulness to always do the right thing and to be the mother and the father of the Son of God. God, I was reminded this week that uh, Mary was the only one on this earth that knew if all of this was really true if she truly had conceived by the Spirit of God and was carrying the Son of God in her womb. She is the only one that would have truly known that. And God, we know by watching her actions and the way she lived her life and the way she raised her son and the way that she watched her son die on Calvary that she knew he was the Son of God. She knew he was the Messiah. And so, God, I thank you for her faithfulness. I thank you for the faithfulness of those that have come before us right here at this very location. Past 115 plus years here. People have sacrificed. People have served. People have trusted you. And as they've hit detours in the road, they've trusted you with the future. And God, here we are in their future. Enjoying the benefits and the blessings of their sacrifice. God, I pray that you would find us faithful. I pray that you would find us obedient. And God, I pray this in my own life today. I pray that I would always be led by your spirit and always do what is considered in your eyes to be the right thing. That I would follow you even when it doesn't make sense, even when it's frustrating. God, I know that the end result, this end, end of this journey with you, is going to be the most amazing thing that I could ever experience in my life and in my eternity. And so, God, I pray that not only for me, but I pray that for these people that are gathered here today that I love so dearly. God, I pray that you would be with them in this moment. God, I pray for Charlie and Barbara today. I cannot even imagine losing a child. 
but you can. You've been in their place and you've been in their shoes. And I know that you will provide for them and be for them exactly what they need as they journey through this valley of shadow of death during this time. God, draw them close. Help them. Help their family. Just be God and be real to them during this time. I pray for Richard. I pray for Randy as they battle cancer. And we all hate that word. We hate the fact that the body can just have a tiny spot that can begin eating away, God. But we know that you are the great physician. And your word tells us to pray for healing. And so I pray for healing for Richard and Randy and Anita and Bob. God, and as Bob and uh, Anita both are in hospital rooms today, I pray that those rooms would be a powerful presence of you that as people walk into that room they would sense that they have walked into the sanctuary the holy of holies of the God that Bob and Anita both trust and love so dearly be what only you can be to them today God be with Larry as he battles uh, this illness that he's facing right now, God, just give his doctors guidance and wisdom, but God, go beyond what they can do and do what only you can do. Be with Lisa and David Simmons, and they are going through a huge detour on their journey right now. God, draw them close. Grab them by the hand. Grab them up. Pull them up in your lap. Whatever they need in every moment of this part of their journey, God, be that to them. Be real to them. Help them. Give them strength and guidance. And God, I just want to pray for other pastors today. There are a lot of pastors that are standing before people today that are carrying huge, huge burdens for their flock. And they're standing before people today to proclaim peace and hope that we have in you. And they need that in their lives. And I pray with my, for my brothers in Christ that are standing before their congregations today. That you would fill their minds, their families, their hearts with peace, comfort, and help as they do their very best to lead your people on the journey that you would have us to go. Bless them, God. Give them fruit for their labor. Give them fruit for their faithfulness and their obedience. And we'll be careful, so very careful, to give you the praise and the glory that you deserve. In Jesus' powerful name we pray. Amen. I love y'all. Have a great week.